You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us here on the Decoding Success Podcast for yet another roundtable discussion with some really amazing and game-changing individuals that I'm really blessed to be able to bring you the insights and their experiences and all that good stuff. So to my right, I got my boy, Phil Massey, joining yet another roundtable. Appreciate you being here, brother. What's up, brother? Thank you. We have two new guests, though, and I'm really excited to introduce these individuals as they're absolutely crushing their industries and Crushing it in life in general, I will say that. First and foremost is my boy Juan Baranecci. Did I say that right? I think you said it. Fine. That was a really terrible yeah. dab. Let's do that one more time. That me the clap. That was it. So that's the rawness that I like. I don't like Eric sneezes, but <laughs> I, I really appreciate you being here, Juan. Next up is my boy Eric Braun. Appreciate you being here, bro. Thank, Thank you for joining you. us. Week too. My boy Anna Reese is yeah. back again that for another fucking too. episode. That was a little weak dab, but Hold on. One, more time. one more time. One more time. Gents, I appreciate you guys being here. And as we briefly discussed over a few glasses of wine, uh, I don't know if Juan finished his. I know Eric hasn't been drinking it at all. But um, <laughs> we were just, thank God. We were talking about a couple topics to dive into, and I feel like the first one that was brought up was something that really hit home for a lot of us. We just started thinking about it right away, and the question instantly is, what is one thing? that you feel like you would do for the rest of your life to live your best life in all aspects of life. Meaning, would you travel? And again, no money involved, none of that involved, but um, would you travel? Would you read books? Would you volunteer all your time because money is not an issue? Like, what do you guys feel like is that one thing that puts you on top of the world, right? Like, what is it that lights you up? What is it that puts a fire inside of you? That's what I kind of want to get into today to understand um, what everyone values and to identify how we could all, t- you know, incorporate these things into our lives. Right. It's a tough, it's a tough question. It's not easy. I'm, I'm telling you, you got to pick one thing. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to be running for a little bit, so we might go into like a second or third option. But uh, I mean, I'm curious, like, what do you guys find that, that one thing that really lights you up and keeps you going? So what I would say is based off experience, there's nothing more fulfilling than helping someone get to their end goal, especially if you know how to help them get there. So I would say that my personal one thing, if I had all the money in the world and I didn't have anything to worry about and I could just do this one thing and really just focus on it, would be a combination of traveling and helping others get to whatever financial or personal or physical physical goal that they wanna get to. Um, Something that I found really interesting is over the last four or five years that I've been doing real estate, I've been able to help new agents get from point A to point Z um, at such a much faster rate because of what I've been through in my experiences. And just by sharing this knowledge, there's this giant light bulb that goes off and this epiphany that they have where they just suddenly see, wow, you've just literally shaved off two years of my life and saved me um, just going through all these challenges and hardships by just explaining this to me straight up. And if I had someone at that point in my career where they just laid it out on me, um, I'd be forever thankful. So I have started off with helping others through either consulting or advice. Yeah, and, and I think I think I do something pretty similar as well. Um, I think what I, the direction I'd go in um, is being a life mentor. Um, I think throughout my life, I never really was so engaged in school. I only had a handful of teachers that really made an impact on me in my life. 
and the, the professors or teachers that really had an impact were the ones that kind of went off the grid, that didn't just talk strictly about the material in class. They, went, they dived a little deeper and they said, okay, <clears throat> here's the material that we're learning, now let's apply it to life. And when you take subject matter and you can apply it to life and real life examples and have it really register with, okay, this is applicable, applicable to my life and here's how it makes sense to me and it, it almost makes you a better person. Those are the classes that you remember. Those yeah. are the classes that actually change you as a person, but you can go ahead and read certain books and you know, you're not, you might retain, you know, 5% of it after X amount of years. But when a teacher takes the time and says, dive deep, look into yourself and, and relate it to your life. How does this relate to you? That's the stuff that stays with you for a lifetime. So I've only had a handful of teachers in my life that have been able to do that. I had two fourth grade teachers that, you know, I was a kid that definitely had ADD, no doubt. <clears throat> we still have it a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I, I, was a, I was a kid that, you know, I was never quite paying attention to the subject matter. I was a kid that was writing notes about something that did not have to do with class whatsoever. And it was a creative writing class and it really allowed me to be myself. And I remember I wrote something, it was funny. And I remember they were collecting all the responses and these two teachers were cracking up and like, Anthony, come to the front of the class and read this. And I did, and the whole class was cracking up and it really just instilled a confidence in me that I still carry to this day because it, it taught me that, you know what, like when you go and you, you, you really just go outside of like, okay, here's the curriculum and here's the subject matter. I went a little bit extra and because I went a little bit extra, it was appreciated and I really found myself in that. And actually those teachers, I ended up taking out to dinner as a thank you about uh, 10 years ago and because they had that big of an impact in my life. So that's why I would like to return to uh, people as well for the people that didn't, that, you know, standard education was not for them, be able to kind of teach them like, hey, this is how you'll advance in life and this is, these are things that you can carry with you beyond school, beyond three o'clock and, and take it with you for, for life really. I love that. I love that example. I know <clears throat> me personally, it makes me think about, um, there's two teachers in my, in my high school that, uh, I was, I was a little bit of a troubled kid. I was lost. I was uh, a little bit of a rebel. If you looked at my disciplinary record, it would say insubordinate all over it. Like that was my, that if I had one word to sum up my whole high school career, it would be insubordinate. Like that's just who I was as, at that time in my life. There was two teachers though that knew how to navigate through that for me. And even though like I wasn't doing like it, one was Mr. Gamash and the other was Miss Burke. Mr. Gamash, it was my art teacher. <clears throat> and even though like he, it would be an assignment like draw this or, or make this with clay and I would not really do the assignment, but I would still work on a project that I wanted to do. Right. And he would tell me like, yeah, you're not going to get a hundred, but I'm going to grade you on your effort on this. And I would try super hard on the thing that I wanted to do, which obviously isn't the best way to go about life. Right. And just to not follow directions. However, um, just him taking the time to like understand me as a kid was like huge. And then Miss Burke, same thing. Like she probably let, let me get away with certain stuff that I shouldn't have gotten away with. But um, she had an impact so great on my life that I actually invited her to my, and she showed up to my one year anniversary when I was one year sober. Wow. And she came, she came to that meeting with me and she was crying in the crowd. And it's crazy, like the mentor, like to tie it all down, the impact of mentorship and, and my, my thing to like, 
that I would do is far from you guys, but I think there are certain people that are made to help people. There are certain people who are made to be mentors. There's certain, like I can look at a few individuals in my life and the power of that for people is priceless. Like, like we all need that one, two, we all have that one, two, hopefully three people, two people within our life that have pointed us in the right direction and think about how grateful we are for those, those people. We need those people. So I appreciate you guys for, for being those people to other people. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's uh, it's really interesting. I was on a call this morning with um, a client of mine. Her name is Mary, and I want to give her credit. Her name is Mary Maduna Gross. She's out in Chicago. And um, this just struck a chord with me because of what you were saying, Juan, um, when it comes down to like, the fulfillment you get from helping people. So she was breaking, she's a PhD, she has a PhD and she was breaking it down. There's three proven ways to be happy in life. And it comes down to your ABCs. Um, I forget what the C is off the top of my head, but the A and the B is autonomy and belonging. It all goes back to our ancestral roots. And um, it's crazy to know that we're still programmed like this, but one of them, and I believe it's the C is being able to help people in the sense where um, you just have some sort of, you know, uh, I guess a way to give back, like that makes you feel good, mm. right? That makes you feel like you are you of purpose. value. You have purpose, Absolutely. right? That's the fucking nail on the head, man. That's huge. So in a generalistic sense, I would say be insanely curious. If there was one thing in my life that I could do, which would spur the tree, the foundation for everything else, it would be insanely curious. So when I think about what you guys are just saying about the mentorship, it's very powerful. But in order for me to be the best mentors that, that I could be, I have to then hang around the best mentors. Yes. So I'm always seeking people who have an ideal scene or have the life that I want or do something that lights me up. I'm around them. I can then you know learn from them and then it passes through me. So I think that what I would teach other people if I was to just teach them what I already know, it would be limited because I only have a limited scope. It's like yeah. a, it's like the pair of glasses you're wearing. Like I have a certain, <laughs> I have a certain pair of glasses on, you know, but to put on, I don't understand. To By the way, on, just, just, just to let everyone know, we are indoors. Eric is rocking glasses. Well, please continue. Facts. Yeah. And they're Ray-Bans. Wow. Ray-Bans, indoors, sunglasses. <laughs> I didn't even question it. Like, it just was so natural. I was going to go off topic. Are Ray-Bans still in? Are they still a thing? I think they're timeless, man. I I've, think never, so. I've never I've had, had a pair of Ray-Bans. Yeah. I've never had a pair of Ray-Bans. The aviators, I feel like they're, cool. they're, not, they're not in right now. No, I own like two of those. So yeah. I would agree with you. Totally. And they cover the wine look. So um, yeah, I would be insanely curious. Things that I'm really passionate about, I'm passionate about creating. I think I, I think partially what I've developed in my life, part of my self-worth comes not from what I have, but from what I'm able to create. Mm. So I love ideas. And I think when we download ideas, I think we're downloading it from various things, but from the people around us. Mm. So hanging around individuals that... I want to emulate. I want to. I want to be them. Right. Uh, downloading information, traits, just different things they do on a daily basis. So that'll help me create. That'll help me then impact people. It'll be passed, uh, you know, through me to them. Right. Um, it'll help me build business as well. So everything else that is fulfilling to me, which is that that ability to create, 
that ability for business, uh, that ability for impact, I think it's hang, being curious mm-hmm. and hanging around people, like mentorship, so then I can then be a mentor for somebody else. So let me ask this question, and this is something that I get asked all the time, and I'm not the best person to ask this, and I'm not saying that I got lucky in life, but I just always played my cards right to, you know, the cards I was dealt, I played them right. Um, so we talked about mentors multiple times, right? throughout multiple answers here. So what's your advice to individuals listening to this to get in front of the people they wanna get in front of? Now, the problem is, and I'm gonna point this out right away, oftentimes people wanna get in front of Grant Cardone, Damon John, Ty Lopez, um, Michelle Obama. Yo, you can't necessarily get in front of these people. Like you're, only some people are blessed with those opportunities, right. right? And that's something that people don't understand. And I'm not telling anyone not to try, but at the same time, if you're in business, you're in year one, and you know there's a guy that's owned the laundromat around the corner from your house for 25 years, he's a great fucking mentor. Right. He's just overlooked because he doesn't have a million followers on Instagram, right? right? So what do, you, what do you feel like is your advice in regards to being able to get in front of the right people per se i think it comes down to number one trying so i mean it it, obviously it's going to be harder for some individuals to to get in touch with some individuals than than others just the just putting yourself in the mindset that i'm going to go out there and try you're already ahead of the crowd right um i also know people and have had success with and it's a little messed up but sort of buying in to their, to their circle, whether that be a networking event that you pay $10 to get in or a country club that you pay 30 grand a year to get in. And obviously those are two extremes, but um, there's, that's like a common theme I've found in networking. Like it, sometimes it takes money to get next to those people. I know my buddy Cody down in Miami, like he's next to Grant Cardone very frequently because he's, put money in Grant Cardone's fund. And whether or not that money grows or the fund works, he gets next to Grant, which gives him such crazy exposure that he makes more money. Like I know people who bought bought in, you know? And you can do that not only monetarily, but like with action, right? So that for instance, that guy at the laundromat, like if if that's somebody you wanna emulate and that's the path that you wanna take and there's something about him, Go there and do that nominal task for him, right? So you don't have to buy in financially. You could buy in by by taking action or doing something of value for them. 100%. Yeah, so I don't think that you necessarily have to go to the top and spend money on these things. Um, And here's why. I think what you really just need to do is find your tribe. And the way you do that, I mean... We're all fortunate we're all in New York City. There's a networking event literally every single night somewhere out there. Every hour. Some of them hosted by the best motherfuckers in fucking New York City. (laughs) And it's true. Like, if you want something, if you're passionate about dogs, right, you can go on the right and find there's a dog event probably every single day. No matter what you're into, no matter how obscure, no matter what your passion is, you can find it. So I say it's a matter of just finding your tribe go to these networking events and you don't necessarily have to go to the top in my opinion you know everyone wants to say oh who's who's the top dog where is he and everyone wants to fight for that person's attention but what i've kind of been noticing more and more lately it's like there's some people just kind of hanging in the back and you just make small talk with some people and maybe they're just not the big name like matt said earlier maybe they don't have 15,000 20,000 followers but you know what they know some shit and 
they're at this event, so they're like-minded to some degree. And I was in an event recently last month. There was this one guy, quiet guy, just kind of hanging by himself. <clears throat> and I went up to him and I'm like, hey man, what's going on? And we, we caught a conversation. This was the coolest motherfucker I've been in a long time. He's such a good dude. And he was just a little on the shy side. So no one was going up to him because he wasn't super outgoing. But I went to him, we had a conversation. Long story short, he's like, hey man, tell me about what you're doing. I told him, hey man, I made this uh, proprietary pocket square and this is how it works. And in that conversation, he's like, my best friend is a tailor um, and he would love your product. He's like, can I video you like doing a fold of the pocket square? I go, sure. No bullshit. I have a meeting with his friend tomorrow in the city. And that only happened because I didn't really care who the number one person in the room was. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? Just like you put feelers out and just like, you know, whoever gravitates to you or you gravitate towards uh, without the intention of being hungry because i think what sometimes go i i, and I know and i know some people that go to these events and they come off as hungry like they go in there or thirsty rather you know hey how you doing you have a business card cool right yeah, we got that's plenty so of ours. oh my Dude, that's the worst that's why i do the door at our events <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no this kid at that same event he came up he, i was talking to this kid and this guy comes up to us and he's like yeah this guy's like is this where the money's at and we're like what He's like, ah, oh, I feel like uh, there's uh, some some successful people in this corner. You guys have cards? They're like, yeah, man. So you give him a card. He's like, cool, cool. I'll, I'll add you on Instagram. We're like, all right, man. Like, yeah. there's, no, there's no value exchange, nothing. No. They're just trying, they're no, trying to call the extractors. The yeah. fucking extractors. There's, yeah. Yeah. there's two. Also, I was saying, you're better off. People think like effective networking is going into a room and like getting 50 business cards. That's not effective whatsoever. You're better off having five quality conversations as opposed to 50 so-so or shitty ones Mm -hmm. and really making connection. Those are the the, the relationships that will actually take you somewhere and you guys can grow together. I think it's all about like being, being genuine. Right. And I was told, and something you, what you were talking about reminded me of this lesson somebody told me. They said, there's two ways to walk in a room. Number one, you walk in and you say, here I am. Number two, you walk in and say, here you are, right? And if you focus and flip your mindset to to think about the other person, actually listen to listen, not listen to reply and listen to add value. And, And again, like put in action. I know I've mentioned monetarily, but even if it's just having a conversation, asking them who they are, where they're from, like actually caring about what they say, not just going through a series of questions to then get their Instagram or business card. Uh, it's the resu- you're going to see such. I, I was once that hungry, thirsty because I when you said that I was like that's how I used to pull up to, mm-hmm. to networking events. When you flip the script and you start to care about the people that you're talking to, and you don't care what business comes out of it, all of a sudden you get business out of it. It's true. It's very, it's true. It's, it's, and that paradigm shift helped me a lot in my my networking space in my business. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people operate out of a sense of desperation. And I think desperation is not a bad thing. Mm. Um, but like alluding to what you were just talking about, like those thirsty people, those hungry people, like they get a little bit too desperate. Like I feel like you're driven by either two things in life. It's either inspiration or desperation. Mm. Right. And I just feel like some people like tip that desperation needle a little bit too far. And the next thing you know, they're fucking so hungry and yeah. uh, it comes off the wrong way. But um, they have money breath. 
Money, yeah. money breath. We, we, we call oh, it commission oh, breath in our yeah. industry. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. When an agent doesn't get paid for a while, they go over there, they're trying to close whatever they can. Yeah. And it yeah. comes off as a consumer, yeah. like in sales, they say money breath or commission breath. Money yeah. breath. Wow. Because you speak to a customer and now, now we're kind of switching subjects to like sales and interacting with customers, but you same same sort of concept. You speak to a customer and all you care about is closing that deal and you don't care about their needs. You're not listening to what they actually want. People get turned off. And that's why people suck at cold calling. People suck at interactions because they're listening to get what they want. It's a short-term mentality. Yeah. 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 So I, I just recently did this actually last year. I learned a lot from it. Um, I was building I was building, I was building a company and I went to go hire a board. And when I was hiring my board, I wanted the best of the best in each perspective industry. Uh, first thing I can tell you is learned a lot through the process. First thing I can tell you is genuine enthusiasm always wins. Mm. Okay, um, we think that these people are really wealthy, have a lot of money. They don't want to be bothered with us. The truth is the opposite. If they see Phil as a younger version of themselves, they want to be around Phil. They don't right. want to be around a fake person. So you got to be genuine, but you got to be enthusiastic. Like, like. When you watch Shark Tank and they say, we don't buy the product, we buy the people. Mm-hmm. So they were buying me. They, I needed more. I needed them more than they needed me. That was apparent. But they're at a place in their lives where uh, money is not everything. And now it starts to you know, go to fulfillment. Also, we live in an age right now where it's like, one of my favorite quotes is, be first or be different. Mm-hmm. So we live in an age right now where instead of sending an email, and I'm like everyone else, I could just pull a selfie video on LinkedIn and send it through. Mm-hmm. And I could send an email with a video attached to it. Mm-hmm. I could do the, the sneaker trick that we talked about on the podcast. That's a good sneaker. one. You heard That's about the sneaker trick? You told me about it, absolutely. Yo, this, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were in a yeah. mastermind. Can I hear? This is, this is, well, Matt, yeah, this is. The sneaker trick is powerful, bro. So I personally, I only done this twice. I wanted to get in touch with two people, Michael Jordan and Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, very two Hard to get in yes, touch with people. exactly. Affluential individuals in their own rights. And uh, I wanted them both on the show. I mean, I love Michael Jordan and I love Tony Robbins. I think they're game changers. So I said, how can I do this without really getting rid of some resources or, or quote unquote favors in the bank? Mm-hmm. And uh, not that I count favors or anything like that. But at the same time, if you ask someone a million times for something, it's like, OK, you know, like you can't really ask them for a million and one. It's just right. like. How many are you going to ask for, right? So I said, all right, how can I do this myself? So uh, I had Patrick but David on the show, the guy from Value Team, an amazing individual, um, PHP insurance agency. And um, I was just like following his content for a while. And next thing you know, right after I interviewed him, he put something out along the lines of him um, or someone sending like a shoe with a letter saying something along the lines of, hey, now that I got my foot in the door, let's have this type of conversation. Yeah, this is something yeah. that Ann actually does all the time too. Okay. Um, but I did it to Michael and, and Tony. And um, what that essentially resulted in me was me getting in touch with Tony's team to get him on the show. And I, I got a letter back from Jordan's team, but didn't get him on the show. Um, so um, regardless, like I got a response from both of them, which is great. Um, but yeah, that was the whole shoe thing. I think that that shit's incredible. Like just getting creative yeah. and being it's different. It's a way to differentiate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also when I was building my idea, it was being clear on what I want so this way, when I when you take up somebody's time, like you actually get in front of them, mm-hmm. like first impression is can be your last impression if that doesn't right. work out. So be clear, 
But focus on building, like you said before, focus on building a relationship rather than a deal. Yeah. Because that idea, like just being transparent, didn't actually work out. But the guy who was my board member is now a partner in one company. I don't ask him like super personal questions, but just to give the listeners an idea, is a high eight figure uh, net worth, maybe nine figure. And uh, you know, I need him more than he needs me. But now we have a friendship. Like we right. joke around about everything. Right. Um, this guy is not on social media at all. Right. So it was actually it was actually hitting up somebody through social media, who then connected me with him. So just to show that anything can happen. Number one, elevate yourself. Be enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, be genuine. Be clear on your plan and keep trying. I must have, I, I got four board members. I must have interviewed about 50 guys. Right. So if I were to stop at the fourth one, it's kind of like when the guy from Starbucks right. 240 banks. Right. He didn't just stop at, you know, four banks. Yeah. So let's pivot this. Let's times. pivot this a little bit. How do you flip yourself or, or flip the switch to get into the mindset of understanding that it really comes down to what you can give versus get? Because that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? It, it, I think if you start playing the long-term game, that is only the natural. See, that's that's the natural changes could happen. If you if you're thinking short term, then yeah, you're gonna be worried about closing a deal this month. Right. If you're think like me personally, I tell everybody I'm in this career for the net. I do mortgages, by the way. Hashtag not your average lender. Check me out. (laughs) So no, but it only makes sense. If I, I always tell people in my career, I'm, I'm in it for the next 30 years. When I talk to a real estate agent or somebody that could potentially refer me business, I tell them, listen, I'm not going to be mad at you. If you don't send me a deal this month, you're going to send me a deal eventually, right? You're going to speak to somebody that's going to need my services, but that's not what it's about right now. And then, and when I did flip that script, all of a sudden the floodgates opened. I think it's also like a a universal thing, like, like universe wise, like when the universe notices you do that and you're thinking that way, it'll begin to reward you. Um, Having that short term mindset is, is a scarcity mindset. Right. right. That's, that's being worried. Right. Yep. Having faith that it's going to happen. Then you'll be able to speak with to people in a non transactional way. Absolutely. I think a problem with uh, people who are in sales and people who are not particularly good at sales or even if it's like if you're new to it. I think a lot, a lot of salespeople have preset responses. So you're speaking to somebody and no matter what they say, right. you know, when they're done talking, I'm going to say this. It's fucking right. robotic. It's yeah. robotic and it doesn't work. And you're going to hurt the odds of being able to get a rapport right. relationship and close the deal. You have to, you have to adjust. You know what I mean? So, and I've been guilty of it too myself where, you know, I, I you know, I sell medical, medical devices, and I was like, all right, well, I'm so focused on telling him the benefits and features of how great our product is. Meanwhile, I'm not really hearing him because he's like, saying? yeah, this is. And, and and if you listen in, there's tells of like what's important. You just have to tune in. But when you're so like, like obsessed with, I have to tell him how great my product is. You're not going to close that sale. And if you do, it'll be, you know, like whatever, uh, a, a godsend. Low, yeah. I'm just going Exactly. And also another thing too, uh, Eric said it, you know, 
you also don't be so short-sighted too, because just because you don't have an opportunity to work with somebody right now, it doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity down the line. And I think a lot of times people are like, well, it didn't work out. Well, see you never. You know what? And I'm going to tell a story that's actually hits close to home here. Um, Matt and I met, we met in an event and um, it was kind of crazy how we met. We spoke on the phone. We mentioned the last podcast. We had a phone conversation. Um, he sent me an email. I never met him before. And at the bottom of his email is a picture, uh, like almost like a, a business card with his with his face on it. And we were once complimented that before. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Once like, yo, your email signature is fire, bro. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so the next day we're at a like some event, a startup event, and I'm riding the elevator up, and I'm like, that dude looks so familiar. And he, I'm like, oh shit, is that the guy from the email? So I bust out my phone. I'm like, oh shit, it's actually Matt from my conversation yesterday. And one of the things that we had talked about initially was uh, building a website and, and possibly teaming up together. And I had had a, a, an arrangement with somebody else that initially was a go, then it was not a go. And then they said, hey, we actually can do it. So you know, I said, Matt, I'm sorry, you know, I, I'd love to work with you uh, on this project, but um, I, I had given my work to this person. It looks like we actually are gonna, gonna follow through with this, but you know, I'd love to work with you at some point in the future. Let's keep in touch. And we did, you know, and on this podcast right now, me and Matt became boys because of that conversation, but it went beyond that. And, you know, and we have worked together in different capacities. Uh, he's actually, uh, through his team, they were able to make designs for my for my product, for my pocket squares. They did a 3D video for me. So there was, there were other doors that opened up. So when you hear no the first time initially, it doesn't mean it's no to everything. It's just like, hey, not now, not yeah. No for everything. Right. The board. No yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful things is like understanding that no is uh, not a bad thing, you know, and even when you're just starting out in business, I mean, I took no's personal at first, specifically with this podcast, right? And not even in business, I'm reaching out to people and like, I'm lucky that I'm able to get in touch with these people. I'm reaching out to some people and they're like, hey, I can't do it right now. I'm like, all right, go fuck yourself. You know, and that's, that's no offense to anyone if they're tuned into Damn, this. Damn, I made it today. <laughs> oh man. You know, like I, I was definitely taking offense to it, but um, I think that, you know, that's a great point when it comes to hearing no. It's just like, no doesn't mean no forever. It means no for right now, and that's cool. But at the same time, it's also understanding that no um, is happening for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of like the second point that I was trying to throw at us here to, today to make a, a whole other episode about. So I don't want to go into that too much. But yeah, I mean, hearing no really ain't the, the worst thing in the world, you know? Yeah, actually, the best relationship and the best closes I've ever had initially were no's. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone loves the low-hanging fruit. Don't get me wrong. I love a quick win. Everyone does. But the real ones that you talk about years from after the close are the ones that were the no right. that played hard to get and then eventually you got them. Those are the ones that you kind of hang your hat on and, and always talk about. But See, it's also how you handle the no. Mm. It's your response to that no. Right. I think that says a lot about you and the person you are. If you act salty when you get the no, then that person can see you in a certain light. If you answer it back a certain way, which says, which basically infers no, meaning not yet, right. maybe in the future, Correct. that person sees you in a whole nother light, they actually respect the shit out of you, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I'm just gonna say uh, something on what we were talking about before. Think about it when we were asking the question, like, hey, how do we get around these people? Think about it this way. If you're in front of the ideal person that you wanna be in front of, and you meet them, 
Are you trying to, are you in your mind, are you saying, hey, I'm only going to have a half an hour with them or I'm going to have my, the rest of my life with them? Right. Because if I'm with this person, like when I'm in front of this person, I don't want to have a half an hour relationship with them. I want to have a full life relationship with them. Right. And then the whole time factor plays into it huge because it doesn't matter if I do a deal in the next half an hour. Mm-hmm. I can do a deal 30 years from now and it could be, you know, tremendous. So building, you know, building that relationship is huge. These people, they, these high caliber people, they're getting sold all the time. Yeah. Every single day, it's it's almost like, what can you do for me? Hey, I have this product, I have this service. So if you just hit them with the, hey, I'm not, like, I want to get to know you, man. Right. Like, hey, like, we both like to do this kind of thing. We both like this kind of woman or man. We right. joke around, we do this, we do that. Like, get to know them, you know, like, more, more friends and, and less feeling like a target. Right. I think that's kind of circles back to what um, everybody was talking about before with the importance of mentorships. Like, we need to know how to land these relationships if we want these mentors in our life. Um, a lot of these time, a lot of times these mentors fall into our laps, but sometimes you got to go seek them out. Sometimes right. you got to cultivate them. Sometimes you got to, you know, change your mindset and how you speak with them because it's so crucial, man. I, I know there's there's certain individuals in my life and they might not be in my life anymore, but without certain conversations, my whole life would have took another turn. Like yes. completely, com- my whole life would be completely different. Yeah. And I, that's to circle back in full. You talked about like living your best life. Like what would you do? One thing for me, uh, and it piggybacks on what I was just talking about, like the ripple effect that one conversation could have. If I could just talk to strangers all day, I would be the happiest person in the world like and i'm talking about go to central park and talk to the guy on the bench that is wearing the world war ii hat and and just listen just learn who he is i'm talking about going to the 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 homeless shelter and like that's why i want to move to the city so bad because i know if i walk out of my door i can talk to people and learn who they are you can't do that in suffolk county no i don't live in suffolk i do not live in suffolk county for everybody listening um it's messed up man uh, i live in nassau county right? you live near people yeah i live yeah. near people you got I, my, yeah it's very very Seagulls, small lots by very me. popular <laughs> so it, like my the picture of an ideal life for me where I'm like, my bank account is full, I'm good, I'm taking care of my family, is just meeting people and learning who they are. Cause I, I spent I spent years of my life in like deep, deep darkness, right? And when you go through that, you start to ask yourself like, what's the most important thing? And why am I here? What's my purpose? And what do I love? And like, you start to ask these, groundbreaking questions. And when I ask myself at that point in my life, what do I love? All of the the uh, superficial stuff that I thought I loved. Oh, I love women. Um, I love cars. Still I love, love those. I, I still the, love and the cars too. But I, but I like them. What I'm talking about is like a deep like love, right? When I, After all that superficial stuff, stuff started to like melt away, that the core was I love people. That's it. Like if I could just talk to people all day, strangers, I'm talking about yeah. complete strangers and even like talk like, like deep conversations, like spiritual conversations and what is there like, 
do they know God? Do they believe in God? Like I'm talking about those conversations. I think that would be super cool. So traveling while doing that <laughs> and having millions of dollars in the bank, that's, I'm set. So that's, aren't we all, <laughs> aren't we all? So what you're, what you're talking about, that's what makes you a great salesperson. I almost cringe when I say the word salesperson because mm. there's a negative connotation to it. Mm. But the best salespeople are the best connectors. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you love people and want to go out and just kind of get to know them, um, I think is like the best skill you can have. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's a skill that translates into real life. Um, and you mentioned earlier about talking to somebody that's older and has a World War II hat. And that's right. fucking awesome, man. Yeah. And some of us told me like, always keep friends that are older with you, older than you, because it'll keep you wise. Mm -hmm. And always keep friends that are younger than you, because it'll keep you current. Mm -hmm. And I think you do need to have that. Brand. Repeat that. Always keep friends around that are older than you. It'll make you. It'll keep. It'll make you. Always wise. keep friends around you that are. Almost thirty-five. Not quite there yet. <laughs> no. I'm gonna say the best connector I know is this guy right here. Juan. Fucking one. Yeah, the best connector I know. Straight up. And, and if you're listening, at Latino Agent Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I got a plug. Yeah, just, that was the layup. Uh, that was the alley uh, You got a dunk it, right? He, just, yo, gave him, he just gave him a hundred of That's a podcast <laughs> alley really Yo, lost. I'm going to start collecting a check from the bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Holy shit. Yo, bro, let I, me ask you, Latino Agent, bro. Well, well, Mr. Juan, have you ever heard no before, bro? You're so good at what you do. You know what's interesting? I tell people no more than they tell me no. And the second you tell a prospect or someone that you're trying to close no, something just sets off where they're like, wow, this person's, I've never heard no in my life. Mm. I actually want to use you. You're actually interesting. I want to work with you. Mm. And you're telling me not to use you. What the hell's happening? And it's not like some reverse psychology method or you're just trying to like turn the tables on them and make them want to work with you more. It's literally thinking in their best interest. And I call it love. How do you love the person in front of you to do what's right so that they can get to where they want to go? And when you start thinking in that mindset, every single one of your actions just shifts. And So why are you telling business. them no, though? Is it because you have a standard or? No, because at the end of the day, if someone wants to work with you, but you really aren't the right person or you're not in the right specialty or you're not the, um, I would say, ideal scenario to help them get to where they want to go, you're better off telling them no and recommending them to someone else. And I do that all day long. I'm not in real estate. I'm in recommending them to the right person that could help them do whatever they want to do. And that's why Eric says I'm the connector because honestly, I'm, I'm not the best at everything. I'm not the best attorney. I'm not the best lender. I'm not everything. And I just surround myself with people mm. that have the same mentality as me. I know, I know what something you said. I was told opinions kill people, right? You only share your experience. You should not share your opinion, all right? Opinions don't matter. If it's not your experience, you shouldn't be talking about it, right? Um, Somebody told me that, but that's that's what. Uh, you you uh, can't you can't chase two I mean, rabbits and catch both. You got to do what you. Bro, true. come on, give Always. me credit there, bro. At least drop my fucking Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted that last week, bro. Is that is that you? Yeah, yeah bro. That's See, fucking crazy. Go. I don't. I didn't know it was you. I chase yeah, you a million rabbits. Like you catch can't, ten at a time. You can't catch two you're rabbits if you're chasing. I heard that example wow. recently. You got to go after one on this podcast. I don't know. It was you. Wait, you made that up? No. No. I made that up. Holy shit! What am I? Three hundred years old. It's like a. That's like the. That in Acts, the Plato Acts or something. Yeah. Plato said that. Yeah. Fuck, I wish I was that old. What you just said too also applies 
it goes full circle. It goes to dating too. When you're in the dating scene. Here we scene. go. Here we go. When you're having a discussion, Here we go. you're having a discussion, you're like, you know what? Listen, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now. Let's just take it slow. All of a sudden, they're more intrigued because, right. like, what do you mean you don't want to, like, you said, work with me? What do you mean you don't want to date me? So when you also, are, when you're selective and you're saying, hey, I might not have the time for this right now, people are like, wait, whoa, I'm not qualified. But, but you know what that's called, right? Honestly. Yeah. And when 99% of the world isn't honest to themselves, people hate other people, shit. they hate it. They fucking hate it. You're saying people shit. hate honesty? Yes, well, it's, yeah. it's no. more than honesty too. It's abundance. Yeah. Because what happened? We just had this conversation the other day, Matt and I. What happens is if you feel, let's bring it back to clients and and you know, not business, dating, not dating. So we're not talking about girls anymore. Still, still dating. Please guys. not. We we already put out multiple episodes on relationships. It works. That's it works as well. Like if you feel that you need that sale, I if you. Well, first off, let's take a selfie first. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> if you feel that you need that sale, you need that client, then what's gonna happen is you're gonna be you're gonna be attached to it. The feeling of being unattached is when you can kill it. It's when you can get that client. Because you're looking for a solution and that's all you wanna do for them. It's a quick selfie, quick for everybody at home. Essentially, exactly just piggybacking off of what Wong said. Good. I don't need to do really anything. Good. When you feel like you need to do everything, like you're a master of everything, mm. like it's because you're living in a scarcity mindset. Right. Abundance means that if I tell this person, hey, this is not my best attribute, but I can't connect you with somebody else, you're not going to say, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that because I could have made that money myself. You believe in so much more that's coming in the future that that's fine. Right. And then when you do that client in the future and you do it perfectly and you do it really, really well, you know that you're only going to get more from it. Right. So back to the mindset. I'd almost prefer to dish out shit that I can't do well because that affects your reputation if right. you don't do it well. Absolutely. Right. At the end of the day, if, I mean, I'm not a fucking real estate agent. I'm not going to sell anyone a fucking house because I have no fucking clue how to do that shit. Right. You know, I'm going to go to one of you guys or, or whatever the case is. Like, um, it, it's crazy to think that people would actually be that scarce in their mindset to actually move forward with something that they're not comfortable with doing, you know? But people lose credibility by that because people are like, hey, I can solve all your problems. I do everything. They're like, yeah, but what do you do well? Exactly. I do everything. What's your no, one? You don't. What's your one thing that you are a specialist at? Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And focus on that. And yep. then like you said, outsource it to somebody else. If that's not what your bread and butter. Absolutely. You know, it's one of my pet peeves when a client is asking me questions that they should be asking their attorney or the real estate agent or their inspector. And it's because I, I work with first. Well, maybe they respect you, bro. And they trust me. So right. I, don't, I don't take it lightly. And, and I'm very hands on with everything. So a client will send me an inspection report, which is not something you do. Like you don't send your mortgage guy a, an inspection report and say, what's your opinion? You know, but I'll sit there and say, you know, that's not my job because I'm not an expert at that. Here's what I do. And here's who you should ask. 
Right. Um, but I don't take it lightly that they actually asked me for that. Yeah, so they love cool. you. They, they cool. respect you, brother. It means you build rapport, and yeah. uh, that's huge. But you know what's crazy is like how off topic these conversations get, and it's not not a bad thing at all. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, we were totally talking about like the one thing that you would fucking <laughs> do to live your best life yeah, like, for yeah. the rest of your now life, here, and yeah. now we're talking about something totally fucking Look at different. Look life though, twists and turns. Twists and turns, bro. That's why I'm. You know that that's the beauty of these, and that's exactly why I. Honestly, love doing them, to be honest. Just, like, to hear all these different perspectives. Yeah, bro. I mean, there's no agenda to this. Like, I'm, I'm good for another 10 hours doing this shit. Like, right. I yeah. love it. That's, I'm still wearing my Ray-Bans, though. It's one thing that hasn't changed. Get sports guy in the room. You all got wine goggles. Send you back. <laughs> Literally. It's like I'm playing poker. Literally. <laughs> Abel's going to hit me up after this. And he said no, he felt like he was at the table. <laughs> That's he's, literally he's, he's here in spirit. Yo, right shout now. out to Abel because he's the best out there. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So everyone answered the question except for me. The question that opened the show of you know what's that one thing to live your best life? And I think Juan, and honestly more than just Juan, um, everyone really alluded to this fact in some way, shape, or form throughout the episode. For me personally, I've never felt more fulfillment in my life, and I compare fulfillment almost to the sense of like getting butterflies from a significant other. And it's funny because like we were just kind of talking about this shit uh, through, throughout, throughout uh, our conversations. But for me, at least it's like um, the first time I ever spoke was at Nassau Community College. And I feel like that was the first time I have ever really helped a group of people, not necessarily just like one person, but like a group. And I felt butterflies, you know, and multiple times after that, speaking from state to state, helping in mentorship programs that Phil's a part of, not Phil Massey, but Phil, the, the camera guy, my guy, I appreciate you being here. Um, just like all of these different situations have yielded me the opportunity to feel that fulfillment and that butterfly effect. So um, coming full circle with this episode, it's like that one thing to live my best life would be being able to give my all to someone else from my experiences, from my opportunities and things of that nature. You know, it's fucking monumental. Well, let me ask you, would you ever go down the route of, and we talked about it earlier, not, not so much teacher, but professor, where you can almost like teach your life lessons to a class and you don't have to go by a strict curriculum? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I always jokingly say that I'm going to go get my PhD, but I really feel like I am one day. I also say I'm going to be the president. I swear I'm going to be the fucking president. So Facts. remember this. This is being recorded Friday, January 17th, 2020. <laughs> when I'm 45 years old and I'm able to run for president, I promise you I will in some way, shape or form. But um, yeah, like I, I would absolutely love that. I, I feel like personally, I mean, college changed my life drastically. Uh, maybe it's not even in college. I'm just saying college is an example. I mean, I failed out of college, like a whole bunch of shit came about to a point where I didn't think I was going to ever make it out of there. But um, I would absolutely love that opportunity. I feel like um, maybe it's just because I'm 27 and I feel like I still resonate with that. I guess that demographic. I mean, that's why I speak at colleges and universities all the time. But uh, I, I would love that. I think that would be that would be dope as fuck. You know, it's crazy. I wanted and I proposed this to my because uh, as I was I was saying before, I was a troubled high school student and I actually go back there to speak every year. Right. Um, I saw and, that. And I saw tell that. my I tell my story and love that they do that every year before prom. I, in, in order for me to have Why this make sense. Why before prom, bro? What happened yeah, on so, prom for you? Well, no, no, no. So in order for me to have this make sense for the for the viewers or the listeners, 
Um, I'm in recovery, so I battled with addiction, and I'm now sober. How right. long is recovery, bro? Is recovery for the rest of your it's life? one day at a time, man. It's one day at a time. I'm not going to drink tonight. You'll That's never take know. a sip of wine. That's all I can say is I'm, I'm sorry, not going to drink. Hang out. <laughs> I'm not going to drink tonight, right? So, because, so I was actually not allowed to go to prom because my uh, principal said I was in an endangerment to the student body and I couldn't be there and I was a risk to the whole, whatever. Um, so that's why they had me before prom. But every year I go back and I tell my story and it's about addiction and, um, and I'm not there to tell them not to drink. I'm not against alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just there to share my experience. But I was talking to uh one of the administrators there and I was like I would love to like put together a curriculum of actual life skills like and 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 do like workshops like once a week where it's like a mandatory elective like, what are the life skills bro so like so you can't just give me the vague shit give me yeah, the fucking deep well, shit well it's it's I'm sure that it's it's a lot of stuff you're a practitioner of like setting goals and and speaking stuff into existence and and like everything that like the personal development community talks about, like why aren't we teaching that to high schoolers? Like that's when I needed it. That's when I needed it. That's why I feel. And just like you said, that demographic of college kids, like I'm, I'm super passionate about that demographic of high schoolers because that's where I was struggling, right? And I feel like I connect, I could connect with them. Um, but like that curriculum of just, and I would have to put it together. Obviously, it would take some thought. Problem is when you try to put together a curriculum for a public school, it has to be it has to be like approved by the state, and it's like this whole Trust bureaucratic. Me, I know what dealing with the city is like. I could only imagine what dealing with Suffolk County is like. So. <laughs> Suffolk County again with the Suffolk County. I live in Nassau County, ten minutes away from Queens. Again, for the listeners, I'm not from Suffolk, and I'm proud not to be from Suffolk. <laughs> <laughs> these queens, these queens boys, they're making fun of me over here, the Long Island kid. But that definitely um, the, building that curriculum and teaching that, uh, what you guys are talking about, being a mentor, that was something that gave me butterflies. So, you know, like it's a cool concept. I love what you just said about like kind of teaching things that are relatable. Uh, I know like when my dad went to school, he like woodshop classes, whole Mac. Mm-hmm. He's so handy. And like, I feel pathetic watching him. My dad's not only handy, but he's also techie. I'm like, uh, I'm techie, not handy. Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. And, and these are the skills that they were actually taught as part of their everyday curriculum. And yep. that's why they're so damn good at it. And they, for whatever one reason or the other, uh, was decided that those classes, those life classes were not needed. Mm. Meanwhile, like we were talking about earlier in the episode, these are the, th- the things that pe- that resonate with people, that people carry with them for their lives, and they just got rid of them mm-hmm. because they're trying to say, hey, we need higher SAT scores, and we need higher scores mm-hmm. in one area or the other. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. It all comes back to what are the things that are actually applicable to life? And I'm not, I'm not talking about like a lot of a lot of people say, oh, they never taught me how to file taxes in high school. I'm not talking about that so much. I'm talking about actual like how to deal with people, how to how to like go out and accomplish something and stay positive through it, how to get through struggles, like actual like coping skills, like all 
like I feel like that's missing, man. Internally, the internal stuff, the mental stuff, the emotional stuff. I'm not talking about how to invest into real estate, which you know people make memes and say, oh, they didn't teach this stuff in high school. Like I get the value of all that stuff, but like in order to be successful at that stuff, we need the right mindset, right? right? We need to know how to act. I just feel like schools are not doing that well. Yeah, and maybe parents aren't either. Um, not saying my parents were bad at it in any way, but I kind of learned through experience. And I feel like there's a huge demand for that. But Right. So if you were to leave this episode off with one last piece of advice for anyone that's listening, if you could only give, actually, how about this? I always ask every interviewee at the end of the episode, what's one universal piece of advice you would give for the rest of your life? What would that be? That's a fucking tough question. I have the answer right away. Go ahead. Okay, let's I hear it. I have mine too. And, and the answer is, is exactly why I thought of it so quickly. It's focus. Focus on one thing that you love and enjoy doing and go all in. Everything else is just white noise. And the second you get good at that one thing, you could monetize it, do whatever you want to do, and it'll allow you to achieve whatever you want to accomplish. I think um, something that I've been saying for like love is life. Like if we can just focus on love, whether that be charitable or or serving or listening to somebody and not talking, like if we can just put that at the center of everything we do, loving what we do for work, everything else falls into line after that. Right. You know? Yeah, I would just say be a force for good uh, without the expectation of getting any something in return. Because when you give with the expectation of getting something in return, you're not really giving selflessly. You're, you're giving a portion of yourself. When you give an unconditional love, when you give yourself fully to something, um, just just to give out good vibes, just to actually help someone or something, um, you will get rewarded in life one way or the other. But when you do it, you're not going to fool the universe. You're not going to fool anyone when you're trying to do, okay, I'm going to do something good with just to get something good back. It doesn't quite work that way. When you give from truly the bottom of your heart, you will get rewarded in life. So I say just be a force for good and you'll see how your life will change immediately. Uh, First thing that came to my mind is be love and be curious. Uh, The difference between being loving and being love. Uh, Being loving is putting on a, a hat and acting a part and being love is literally embodying it for anyone, everyone around you and, and being love and be love for yourself. So be kind to yourself because we can be really hard on ourselves and then being curious because everything else will, will spawn from that. Uh, being curious will unlock a life that you can only dream of. We're going to leave it off on that. I mean, I've, I give a ton of fucking advice on this, so I'm not going to sit here mm. and and give my one piece of advice that I would give forever. We'll, we'll leave that up to the curious minds. But gentlemen, Phil, I appreciate you being Thank here. You, Juan, appreciate you, bro. Eric, appreciate you, bro. Thanks and for having me. Appreciate you, bro. You can find all of their social handles in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, everyone. Peace.